Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Bless the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to stand here tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Ruth here in our Bible study here this evening. And so we got simultaneous things going on. And that's things going on simultaneously, rather. And so that's okay. And so we appreciate, I appreciate Brother Mason, amen, doing this. I asked him to do it, so I'm thankful that he is doing it. Amen. Always uh, great to have people that work and stuff. Uh, this last Sunday was very evident of that. You came in and you seen the landscaping look pristine, and that was all due to Brother Fred McGee being on his hands and knees. And there was a lot of weeds in that before he got his hand on it and uh, took care of that and got new mulch and stuff down and looking good. And then uh, the welcome table and all of the... Uh, you know, mugs and magnets, supposed to have some pins too, and the different cards and new uh, cards for visitors and stuff, all that design work Brother Alex put in and stuff, and so we appreciate that as well. There's, listen, we're blessed in the, many of these respects. Uh, we used to have Nature by Design come and do that, and Fred did it. Uh, people a lot of time will have to farm out uh, design work, but that just takes place right here in, in-house. And so that's something to be appreciative about, amen, and thankful for, uh, for sure. Uh, if you had somebody probably do what Brother Mason's doing right now, you'd have to hire somebody to come in and do that type of thing, too. And so, again, uh, so thankful uh, for the blessings of God and the talents and abilities that God has given people, amen, in the church, amen, amen and that they'll use them for the church. Amen, we're appreciative of that. Ruth chapter number 2, we're continuing with our, uh, with our uh, Ruth series here this evening. I'm going to start with verse number 10, amen, this evening. And so, again, uh, these Wednesday nights, as far as when there will be people in and out, it will be this, the rest of this month and probably next all month on Wednesdays that that will be taking place and there will be a group uh, coming in out. So you'll want to pay attention whenever your name, he posts that, and whenever your time is, uh, for sure be here, be here otherwise anyway. <laughs> Don't just show up for whenever you're going back there, but, uh, but nonetheless, just to be mindful uh, of that. And so we're thankful, we're so thankful. Thank for all the ministry uh, of the church that, that give of their time and study. Brother Malone on Fridays, given of his time to do Search for Truth Bible study. Amen. That's just a great, great and tremendous thing. Another arm then of the church uh, that is at work. And we, uh, I appreciate that. Amen. Appreciate that wholeheartedly. Amen. You're probably there by now, maybe. No? Let me say something else. Okay. Verse number 10, the Bible states these words. Then she fell on her face. This is speaking of Ruth. And bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, speaking of Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shewed me 
all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. For a little while tonight, I want to speak along this, this subject matter. Grace says you're worth it. Grace says you're worth it. I put this in our uh, program that we do for sending stuff, scriptures and stuff here at the church. And I, I said, Grace says you're worth it. And I put behind it, I said, that's my message title. Alex, this is not a personal message from your wife. And so, uh, but nonetheless, I said, although she probably agrees. Nonetheless, let's pray this evening. Father, we come to you tonight. We're so thankful, Lord, for this opportunity. We're thankful, Lord, for this day. I pray, oh God, help us to learn of your word and the scriptures. God, I pray, Lord, that they are written and they are written, God, even for our lives, Lord, in this generation and era of time. I pray, oh God, minister, Lord Jesus, to each one of us. Lord, as we give our attention, Lord, tonight to what the word of the Lord would say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight in Jesus' name. Since it's been a couple of weeks, let's just refresh you where we left off a couple of weeks ago. How Boaz graciously allowed Ruth to glean in his field. And the reason why we say that he allowed that although the law prescribed that widows and the fatherless and the stranger would be allowed to glean the corners of the field or take whatever was left in the field, not everybody abided by the law or respected the law. And so whenever Boaz allowed Ruth to glean in his field then he was doing just that he was allowing her though the law prescribed it he was walking in tandem with the law and actually allowing her into his field to do this this gleaning and so that's why a couple weeks ago I entitled that lesson fields of grace because in reality that is what that is what Ruth stumbled upon whenever she came into the field of Boaz. For that matter, in verse number 2 of chapter 2, the very thing that Ruth had, had stepped out to do, what she planned on doing whenever she left her mother-in-law at the house, she told her that she wanted to go and find a field of ones in whose eyes that she would find grace and glean thereof. What she set out to do, she did, and she did in Boaz's field. She found grace there, though she was a stranger to the land of Bethlehem, Though she was a stranger, meaning that she wasn't necessarily a Jew of that descent, uh, she was still taking knowledge of, and that's the way that the Scripture seems to relay it, that Boaz took knowledge of her, or Ruth even admits, you took knowledge of me. And it's interesting because the, the words translated in our English Bibles, take knowledge, that you find in verse number 10, it relays this, literally, that Boaz treated Ruth as if he had known her before. 
That's what that means. When he took knowledge of her, he treated her as though he had known her before, but they had had no, no type of interaction prior to this. They, they have never met. They didn't grow up together as kids, none of that, but he treats her as though he knows her. You know how it feels to be treated by another individual that doesn't know you from Adam's house cat just to strike up conversation or interact with you as though they, Adam's house cat, you liked that, did you? Amen. That, that, that they just strike up conversation as though they've known you their whole lives and you walk away from that conversation saying, man, they're just, a, you're just an easy person to know. It's like we just hit it right off and it's because they just treated you as though they knew you their whole life. So you must understand being a, a stranger or a foreigner coming into this type of environment, how that must have made Ruth feel, amen, to have that type of interaction from Boaz. It, he didn't make it awkward to her. He didn't make it, uh, you know, her to seem indifferent it was just like you know she always came to this field to glean and he made her feel comfortable with being there we we could do like a bible study on boaz on how to treat people when they come to church i mean we could don't make them feel uncomfortable don't make them feel indifferent just make them feel as though you've known them for a long time I mean, seriously, and I'm not going to take time to pause all along the way tonight and do that unless the Spirit would lead. But nonetheless, amen, we could take lessons from Boaz on that particular fact. And so he represents, as we've already looked at in many respects, Boaz represents that, that Lord figure, that, that, that God figure here in the story of Ruth because even the Lord we know, right? He treats us that way when we come to him. And, well, the reality is he's kind of got a little better, uh, you know, upper hand on Boaz. He has known this since the beginning and before the beginning of our lives, right? Uh, he knows this before, the Bible says, before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knows our uprising, our downsetting, our thoughts are far off. Even before we ever come to him, he knows this. But nonetheless, Boaz is, is mimicking that or showcasing that even here in the Scripture. And Ruth's response to the way that Boaz treated her and acknowledged her as though he always knew her, her response is this in Scripture. The Bible says that she falls to the ground with her face to the ground and just is there before him which which seems a little peculiar but this is a woman that that is in a posture that is a common posture of that day of when an individual understands they're before someone that is superior to them this is the posture of someone that says i'm inferior inferior you're superior for that matter it's the posture of worship really if you look at it through scripture it's the posture that one would assume because in ruth's heart in her heart of hearts she knows this and she wouldn't maybe even say it and she does under no certain language here in the chapter she is basically telling him hey i understand i'm not your people Right? I understand that I'm, I'm not like you guys. I'm a foreigner and me coming in among everybody else. You know, I, I don't know what happened that day. Scripture doesn't tell us. And this is, I guess, the Lord leading. But I don't know if Ruth walked in the field that day and everybody that was glean or harvesting did one of these numbers. Because <laughs> it happens sometimes when someone. I don't know. Or if they just kept harvesting. Amen. But she was just going about uh, their business and doing her thing, and she acknowledges how she was treated, and she even asks, she even questions Boaz, why, why did you take notice of me? 
Why have I found favor in your sight? Why, why, why have you treated me the way that you have treated me? Because again, in her mind, she's thinking, I really have not done anything to make you or to encourage you or to influence you to treat me like you treat me. We don't have no history. It's not like I did you a favor in the past and now you're doing me a favor. We have nothing to go off of for you to be treating me like you treat me right now. For that matter, I believe Ruth felt a little unworthy of the grace that was being shown to her because she was a stranger. And let me say tonight that that is the struggle sometimes with people that experience God's grace and love. Because in their mind, they're like, God, why are you loving me? Why are you treating me so good? Why are you so gracious toward me? God, I can't, I, I, I know that they're thinking, I know we don't have no past together, but he's seen it all. I know we don't have no past together. Why would you be so desirous of me and consider me whenever I'm a stranger coming to you? I'm a foreigner coming to you, God. Why? I know in people's mind, God, why are you even giving me a chance? Right? Many people come and experience the love and the grace of God, and they feel like, you know what? I don't deserve this. And can I even say tonight, that's part and parcel why some people never go to a church. Because they don't feel like they deserve anything that God has for them. Amen. Why don't you give me a chance? Luke chapter number 7, and the scriptures won't be up there tonight. Our, our media staff's back there. Amen. So all those that are watching online, you got a good old family Bible on the coffee table. Crack that puppy open. Amen. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 6 states this. And this is whenever a centurion who was a Gentile, not a Jew, Brother Mike, a Gentile, this is whenever a centurion had a servant that was, that was sick and he wanted the Lord to, to heal this, this, this servant of his because he, he, he thought a lot of this servant. He wanted him to be healed. But this man is a Gentile, not a Jew, right? A Gentile. And so the Bible says, then Jesus went with them and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion, this Gentile, sent friends to him, Jesus that is, saying to him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. This Gentile says, I'm a Gentile and you're a Jew. Right? How, how it's painted in Scripture, even through the Good Samaritan story. You know, like Jews are up here and then Gentiles are down here. I'm not worthy of you to come. Don't trouble yourself with me. Don't trouble yourself with my needs. Don't trouble yourself with my concerns. People walk into churches with the, that very type of mind frame. If they're in the hospital and they get, well, it's like God shouldn't have done that for me. This is how they deal with. And look what verse 7 says. Wherefore, this is the centurion, the Gentile speaking, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. He said, that's the reason why I sent other people to you to tell you what I was desiring, what I'd like, because not only do I not feel worthy for you to come into my house, I didn't even feel worthy approaching you. 
I'm a Gentile. I'm a foreigner. I shouldn't get this type of, of grace. And so this is, here is Ruth's dilemma. She's an outsider. She's not a native of the land of Bethlehem of Judah. Her heritage is different. Her history looks different from these Jewish people in this land. And she just wants to find a field where she can find grace, but she can't accept that anyone would show her that grace she wants to find a field with grace but she doesn't feel she's deserving of the grace she wants grace but she doesn't feel she deserves it and that is many people that approach the doors of a church they want to be there they want to be a part they want to experience God but in the center of their soul they feel like they don't deserve it Amen. I'm even convinced that over the years of pastoring in churches that I've went and held revivals and so on and so forth, I'm even convinced that there were places where people regularly went to the field, the church, to glean, and they found grace there, but because they felt like they didn't deserve the grace, sometimes they avoided the field. They avoided going to the church, not because the field was terrible, not because the field was bad, not because they ex experienced some type of disdain from those in the field, but just because they felt like what the field had to offer was too good for them. Amen. This, this is where Ruth is. But if we can tonight, I want to flip this on its head just a little while this evening. While we all come in at different times and some for sure that just come to know the Lord talk about, well, I'm not, I'm not worthy of the Lord. Or, I, 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 well, you know, they use that worthy word. I, I'm not worthy of the Lord. I have no worth, so on and so forth. Let's flip this whole concept on its head because when I read the book of Hebrews and it begins to talk about people, it's the chapter, chapter 11, the, the hall of faith about people that had faith in God it talks about people that suffered much for God some of them the Bible describes and there's a lot of description in Hebrews 11 but some of them the Bible describes that they endured mockings and scourgings and some of these people they also experienced bonds and imprisonments and these people that had faith these people of faith are described by a particular phrase in verse number 38 when it says of whom the world was not worthy of whom the world was not worthy what are you saying tonight then pastor mcgee i'm telling you this you may think at times and you may say in your mind and if you've just come to the lord you may be convinced at times that you're not worthy of god but i'm telling you tonight based upon the hebrew scripture the world's not worthy of you you might feel like you're not worthy of god but the world's not worthy of you you belong in God's field. Amen. You belong in the world's not worthy of you. Let me say it like this. The world's not good enough for you. Mm -mm. You say, well, you don't understand. I've been an alcoholic. I've been a drug addict. The world's still not good enough for you. You don't understand. I've been a fornicator and I've been a liar. The world's still not been good enough for you. Amen. You belong in God's field. The Gospel of Matthew records 
John the Baptist telling some Sadducees and some Pharisees, he says this, this statement, he says, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. That's the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Luke, it's stated a little differently. Both of them are found in the third chapter in the eighth verse, Matthew or Luke, whichever you will look. It's both chapter three, verse number eight. It says in Luke, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. One says meat, the other one says worthy. Well, fruit, and we've looked at this before in the past, but just again, fruit is what we produce that others see and characterize us by. That's the reason why Jesus said, by their fruits ye shall know them. Right? Oranges, orange tree, apple, apple tree, grapes, grapevine. Amen. By their fruits ye shall know them. But when we talk about the idea of meat for repentance or worthy Worthy of repentance. That is that our fruits should have equal weight and worth that is answerable to a amended life. Meaning this, that whenever I, whenever I have repented of my sins and I've had that change of mind and that about face, then I begin to live my life equal to my repentance. Mm-hmm fruits that are equal to that and so whenever we consider all these things worthy of repentance it's these sorts of things that have been thoroughly shown to Boaz in the scripture because whenever she's saying what why why would you do this for me Boaz why would this take place why are you even uh, looking in my direction the Bible tells us in essence that Ruth had some some fruit that is meat or worthy of repentance. He tells her very plainly that he had heard or he, that he had discovered some things that she had done, right? That she had left her father and left her mother and left her land and that she had adopted their God, the Jews' gods. That's, that's, that's fruit that's worthy of repentance, worthy of this change of mind and change of perspective that happened in the life of Ruth. John G. Butler says it like this, that Ruth not only left Moab geographically, but she left it theologically, right? She left their gods and was accepting the God of Israel. And Ruth vowed, Ruth vowed to make Naomi's God, of course, her God. And when she did that, the scripture tells us there in verse number 12, when she did all of this, she, she came under, she came under the wings, the protective wings of the Lord. And Boaz knew that she had done all this. He had heard about it. Whatever the rumor mail of Bethlehem Judah went and he got word that she had done all of this. And what he realizes in her doing this is this. Here is a lady. That's coming into my field, though a stranger and a foreigner, she has forsaken her past with every intention of walking a different future. And that should sound loudly in the field. That should sound, when someone, that's the reason why we rejoice just as much over someone repenting it's when they get baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost. Because at that moment, what's taking place is this. They are making a conscious, directive choice that I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to walk into a different future. 
our repentance enables that. Now, whenever he, he, when Boaz hears about all of this and they're sharing this dialogue back and forth, Boaz goes into this blesser mode, right? You know, blessing Jesus. <laughs> Boaz goes into this blessing mode and he's like, Lord, recompense her. Recompense her and pay her full for, for what? The sacrifice, the sacrifice that she has made. She has already made so many great strides in this direction. I'm asking that you would just recompense her and give her a full reward, Lord, for what she has been doing. Now listen, that sounds great, right? I mean, it's great whenever you say, oh, bless him, Jesus. Or God, give them the money they need for that bill, right? Bless him, Jesus. All of that sounds great, and that seems very appropriate for Boaz to do. And it must have felt kind of good for Boaz to throw those words, Lord, I mean, just think, Lord, recompense her. Pay her back full, God, twofold, tenfold, you know, whatever. Must have felt good to say those words in Ruth's direction. However, everybody say, however, we must realize that when we pronounce God's blessing on others, he might want to employ us to get it accomplished. God recompense her, pay her full reward. Boaz, that sounds great. I don't know if you're totally aware quite yet. You're going to be a part of that. Huh? It's good to throw that blessing around until God says, I want you to be part of being the blesser. God, send the money for that financial bill. And then he talks to you and says, give 200 for it. Well, glory. I want to speak the blessing. I want to speak the blessing, but he might want us a part of it. James chapter number 2 and verse 15. James 2 and verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doeth it profit? It's saying if, if you have the, the destitute and those that are naked and you're saying to them, hey, be warmed, but you don't supply any clothing for the warmth. Or if you tell them, on the other hand, hey, you're destitute of food, be fed, but there's no supply given for the food, then, then what, what profit is it? You're just a blesser. You're just, you're just shooting out words. But God may be wanting to use you to fulfill the blessing. And perhaps maybe, I'm just, this is a perhaps. Perhaps God makes us aware of people's dilemmas and situations. Yes, to pray for them. Yes, to encourage them. But maybe he makes us aware of some of those things sometime hoping that we'll be a part of the solution. Because being entrusted with someone's need is more than just being able to gossip about it. It might be to help alleviate. Maybe he thought he could entrust you for alleviating some of it. But that's hard, isn't it? Sometimes. I'd much rather tell you that God's going to work it out 
than it to cause me to sacrifice time or me sacrifice money or me sacrifice energy. But God might want to use me to help work it out. And that's what will be done with Boaz. God recompense you, give you full. He's going to be a part of the plan. He's going to be a real major part of the plan. And already has begun a little bit right here in chapter 2. But it doesn't just start with, stop with Boaz doing what the law asked him to do. It goes beyond even what the law expected Boaz to do, right? He's provided in his field right, field right now for her to glean. That's according to the law. But he's about ready to switch a, a lever here where he's going to do some things that are beyond the law's expectation and ultimately he will be used in Scripture as the kinsman redeemer that will help secure back the property of Naomi and he will marry Ruth as his own to raise a seed to her deceased husband's name. Now that's involvement. I mean, Ruth's already amazed because she's been treated so kindly. And she says, you've treated me as kindly as any other maidservant, as any other maidservant, Boaz, that you have, although I'm not entirely like them. She knows that herself. Can I pause for a moment? We don't have to tell people how different they are from us. They know. She says in verse number 13, this is from the New King James Version. She says, though I am not like one of your maidservants. And I just put in there as a footnote, not yet anyway. Not yet anyway. Because if she follows the prescription that Boaz has given her, if she follows the instructions of Boaz and she stays in his field and follows his maids and keeps her eyes on his field and drinks the water that he provides and the food that he provides, guess what? It'll just be a matter of time until she conduct, conduct her life just like any other maid that's in the field. Verse 14 and allow me to read a few, and we're actually, um, my, my goal is to get through chapter 2 tonight. I know, it's very, a very vigorous go. 14, and Boaz said unto her, this is where he's going beyond expectations, okay, of the law. And Boaz said unto her, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread. And dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. This is a big thing, folks. She's a gleaner. There was a distinct line between gleaners and reapers. But he's saying, come over and be a part of us. And he'd reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. That's above, folks. And let fall also some of the handfuls on purpose for her. That's above what the law required. And leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. I don't want y'all saying anything about it. I don't want anybody saying she shouldn't have that being at this stage in the field. God, I'm, Lord, if you're leading it, then I'll do it. Huh? It's not like you just got here today. 
You think you can be benefited this way, having just arrived today? We've been here for 20 years. Oh, God. Well, he's still working on me. God, help us. Lord, handfuls on purpose for her and lead them that she may. Don't rebuke. Don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field unto even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. I'm hoping we can get through it. Lord, I'm just starting to feel something come on me here. Ruth was allowed. Let's look what she was allowed. She's allowed to, to eat the bread. All right. She was allowed to take her bread and dip it in the vinegar that they had with Boaz and the reapers. She's a gleaner, mind you, but Boaz invites her near to the same place where the reapers that are experienced, that have been there for a good time, they are the ones that actually pluck the grain. She only gets whatever falls. <laughs> and she sits by the reapers. But when you look in Scripture, what is she doing right here? She's eating what the reapers ate, and she's where the reapers are. But she's a gleaner. <laughs> And the Bible seems to picture for us that Boaz gave her something to eat and he gave her more than she could eat. Bishop, she's just a gleaner. But he's given her more than what she can consume. Basically letting her know status doesn't matter in this field. Seniority doesn't matter in this field. You come to this field... I'll give you more than what you can handle. You, you come to this field, I'll give you more than what you can, you can eat. And unbeknownst to Ruth, whenever she got up and went to go do her business still of, of gleaning, the Bible says that Boaz then spoke to his young men and said, I want you to allow that lady to glean among the sheaves. Now listen, the men are going forth and they're, they're plucking the stalks of barley and they would put them in a pile and then the women, would, the women servants or the maid servants would come along and they would bind up that pile and that is what would be taken to the threshing floor. Those were all the workers of Boaz. Then behind them is Ruth picking up whatever was left but what Boaz was telling those boys I want you to allow her that whenever you make those piles of sheaves that are on the ground you allow her right up there where the maids are tying them up that wasn't a prescription of the law that was the grace of the landover that that was the grace of the landowner that said, hey, let her get on up here in the sheaves. And if that wasn't enough, amen, Boaz let Ruth cross a, a, a line going there. He also told then his servants, listen, guys, as you're gathering those sheaves up, and they were to be very cautious, you know, they want as much as they can. As you gather the sheaves up, go on and let some fall to the ground on purpose, not accident." not happenstance, but you purposely take out of what's mine and you put it on the ground just for her. 
Dad, the law didn't prescribe that. A gracious landowner called Boaz prescribed that. I'm telling you tonight that whenever we get the law of harvest through and through in our life, they can come in, shape, form, fashion, history, heritage, and as reapers that's been around the field for a while, if we'll put our ear to the voice of the landowner, he'll say, you go on and let them get up in the middle of all that. Don't you speak a word against him. Throw some things in their direction on purpose. Someone hear me right now. Someone hear me right now. Jewish tradition forbade a gleaner, which was Ruth, from picking up more than two stalks in one place. That meant if she came over here and there were five stalks on the ground, the law prescribed she'd just get two and she'd leave the other three. <laughs> but Ruth isn't a Jew. She's not familiar with Jewish tradition. That's what I love about new converts. They haven't been duped by Pentecostal traditions. Of when it's proper to clap or not to clap, when it's proper to say hallelujah or not. When, when if you stay at the altar 15 minutes after a sermon's preached, that's okay. She's not familiar with Jewish tradition. So what's she doing? There's five stalks drop. She picked them all up. She picked them all up. I don't know anything about your tradition. All I see is an opportunity. Boy, sometimes we can get so religious that we've forgotten to seize opportunities and we're operation, operating off just tradition. Two songs this, two songs that. He's closing. I'm getting my person phone together. What we used to see as an opportunity, now we see traditionally we go on. Amen. Amen. She sees an opportunity to seize. And she may have even thought, Sister Brenda, well, look how fortunate I am. These many stalks right here for my taking. But what Ruth don't understand, that's not fate that just happened to her right there. That's been a gift that's generously been placed there. Just for her on purpose. God. God, Bishop, I'm thinking right now. He placed that there on purpose. And what have we sidestepped that he placed as a gift to us on purpose? And we said, nope, I'll just take two. I'll leave the three. Because tradition says. But he meant it all for a gift. It was all his generosity. But it's like, I'll take this much of your generosity. You can have the rest. Well, glory. Phew, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. So here he is. He's going beyond the requirements of the law. Boaz it does. And we can state it like this. I think just as equally as so. Grace does that. Grace goes beyond the requirements of the law. 
Grace doesn't treat you as you are. It treats you as you can be. That's what Boaz was doing for Ruth. She came as, in as a gleaner, but he was treating her like a reaper. Grace invites you to come closer. Grace blurs the line between the gleaner and the reaper because it's trying to call you into a deeper relationship than where you are. Grace puts the gleaner alongside the reaper. It gives the gleaner, hallelujah, reaper privileges. For what purpose? To cultivate in the mind and the life of the gleaner a reaper mentality, a reaper passion for the field. <laughs> so these verses absolutely confirm that Ruth is finding, as I said two weeks ago, fields of grace. The law prescribed this, but Boaz are making some additional allowances, and that is the demonstration of grace. The Message Bible translates a few of the phrases in this particular passage like this. It's a little bit differently. Whenever he's talking about don't rebuke her, the Message Bible states it like this. Make, make it easy for her. Don't make it difficult for her to get sheaves. Huh? Don't, don't make it difficult. Listen, that's a, that's a reason why I rehearse around here. Anything that we do, sometimes we're trying to set the atmosphere, not for ourselves, but for somebody else. Our worship, our praise, the reason why that there's people who say, oh, they go to the altar every time he has an altar call anymore. You know what they're doing? You know what they're doing? Creating an atmosphere for a gleaner to come alongside them and to make it easy for them. easy for them the message Bible even says it like this uh, phrase a little differently but it says Boaz said he, he gave her special treatment well yeah it seems to be that case it's throwing down handfuls yeah now, they're up in a place that traditionally a gleaner wouldn't be allowed yeah why are you doing that Boaz he must have really seen something in Ruth or perhaps he really had a love already that was being cultivated for her. Because you know where you'll find love? In the giving. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing, and why are you doing all this, right? What have I done? Without saying it, through his actions, you're kind of special, my eyes, girl. Oh, oh yeah. Take me back to the Old Testament then and show me. Whenever Benjamin is present among all the other brothers of Joseph, what does the Bible say? That Joseph went by and gave more food to his brother Benjamin than he did the rest and gave him 10 extra changes of garments than he did the rest. Why? Because Benjamin was the one that was born of the same mother he was, Rachel. He hadn't seen him in a long time. He was expressing his love toward him and how he gave him and God so loved the that he love in scripture many times is shown in the giving in the giving now I already mentioned to you tonight that Ruth got more than she needed it would seem 
And grace, grace seems to supply like that. But when verse 14 says, she did eat and was sufficed and left, most translations indicate, and I read a gazillion of it, it seemed like today, indicate that she left food. There were leftovers. The New King James Version says, and kept some back, meaning he gave her some food. The reason why we believe it's more than what she needed because there was some left. Now, let's go just a little further in the story. Now, I for sure can't deny tonight that Ruth worked diligently in the field that day because she did. She worked hard. She gleaned, the Bible says in verse, uh, whatever verse it is, I think it's verse number 17, says that she, she worked till even or evening, and if you go back to verse 7, she had been there since morning. So from morning to evening, Ruth has been there. And the Bible says she gleaned an ephah of barley that day. From all the different sources that I've read, and some of them vary a little bit in how much, but an ephah of barley is anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds of barley. At the end of the day, Mike, she's carrying that home. Boy, this hit me. There's just a hit, hit, hit. I've just bruised and battered all over. Man, I thought about this today because the Bible says, even it seemed like before Ruth ever arrived to where Naomi was, that Naomi recognized that she had gleaned somewhere. Listen, the way that you walk is going to be offset whenever you're carrying 30 to 50 pounds of what grace has bestowed upon you. <laughs> She's like... That girl's gleaning something because she's not walking like she normally walks. Don't mind me. I'm just holding what grace bestowed upon me. Write it down, Sister McGee. We'll make a sermon of it for somewhere along the way. And Lord, we got a lot of sermons for this summer. But she ate it. She was suffice. She has about 30 to 50 pounds of barley. And listen, that, that is a considerable amount of barley historically for one woman, one anybody, to glean in a single day. The amount of barley that she brought home, they say, was equated to about enough for two women to eat for a little more than a week. And she got it on one day. And so here's Naomi. She can tell, she can tell that she, she's bringing something home here. And she could tell this wasn't an ordinary gleaning day. <laughs> Ruth lived in that area. She knew what took place. This wasn't an ordinary gleaning day. And back of, Ruth, and back of Naomi's mind, it's like, somebody's been mindful of my gal. Somebody has considered her. And here's the fact of the matter. Ruth was there from morning to evening, but no matter how hard Ruth worked, she could never get what she was bringing home by herself. You know what I'm saying? She couldn't have worked enough to get what she was coming home with. There had to be intervention from somebody else. <laughs> I'm telling you today, Paul McGee, where I am today, where I am in life, where I am, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't work hard enough to get to where I'm at right now. There has been another hand of intervention that's thrown things purposefully my direction and my way and has allowed me in sectors and places. I believe all of us could share that testimony. 
<laughs> when others see your life, they know you didn't get to where you are by yourself. <laughs> they see what you have done, but they also see what grace is overabundantly done. This person's found favor somewhere. Look at it now uh, in verse number 18. I read it again of Ruth 2. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was suffice. The suffice directs us back. It directs us back whenever Boaz was given her food in verse number 14 because the Bible says she ate and was suffice and then left, speaking then of the leftovers or what was reserved. And so she gave, look, notice this now, she gave to her, to Naomi, what that she had reserved, that which she had kept back from what Boaz originally gave her when they were sitting there with the reapers eating. And she gave that unto Naomi. <laughs> So the leftovers of the food that Ruth had eaten at the field now had been kept along this way and brought to Naomi. Here's a lesson for all of us. That when you are satisfied, don't throw away the extra and discard it. Take it with you. Because here's the fact, you know someone that needs it. Be intentional. Don't accept the invitation to sit at the table. Because she was, she was invited to come over here, sit with us, eat with us. Don't accept the invitation to sit at the table for yourself only. Have someone else in mind too. Jesus told his disciples this. He said, freely ye have received. And this was his command then, freely give. In other words, he's, if you've been given the opportunity to glean in the field and glean more than enough for yourself, maybe you should keep something back for somebody else that is in need along the way that your path is invariably going to intersect with. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, I got to hurry and we're not at the end, but we shall be. Brother Mason needs more time, I just feel it. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He says, you've received something, but you need to minister that same thing that you received to someone else. To be a good steward of God's grace. To be a good steward of God's grace. That's what we must do. Verse number 19, let's go. Hallelujah, amen, let's go. And her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? Tottering with her 30 to 50 pound sack of grain. And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. Look, she knows someone has to be involved. And she shewed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, the man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, the man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. 
And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by the young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maids, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and to dwell with her mother-in-law. As the reader, right, we have, we are privileged to all types of information being the reader of a Bible when you're not a part of the story of the Bible. And so as a reader, we already know where Ruth has been gleaning. But this is the first that Naomi is hearing of it. She knows when she left, she'd go glean somewhere. She didn't know where she ended up. This is the first that Naomi is hearing about it. She can tell that Ruth has found a place and that this person must have been somewhat favorable and interested in her because of what she has in her hand that she has brought home. But the Bible says that whenever Ruth tells Naomi that it was Boaz, that Naomi just is beside herself. She is quite overwhelmed when she hears this. And please pause for a moment to see this excitement Naomi because this is the same lady that when she first came home, she says, you all call me bitter. But now this lady who said, you call me bitter has quickly become the blesser. Lord bless him or whoever. Bless this man for showing kindness to the dead and to the living. The, 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 the bitter person has turned into the blesser person. Grace does that. Grace shows up, he'll take the bitter and make them the blesser. He'll take the milling mouth and make them the rejoicer. Grace does that. At first, Naomi didn't feel any more worthy, though no, she doesn't feel at the first any more worthy than Ruth did. She felt when she first came all home all but forgotten by God. And it's just like the prodigal, again, Sister Sheila, that we read in Luke chapter 15. Because whenever he decided he was going back home, what did he say? I'm going to go home and tell my father, Father, I'm no longer, here we are again, worthy to be called your son. That was his intended speech, Luke 15, verse 19. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he came home. He expressed that to his father. I'm not worthy. Just why? Because here's Naomi. She left the land. She's coming back to land. She's just like the prodigal. She first came home. His, his hand affliction has been against me, right? All of this stuff. I'm not worthy, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You know what the father said to the prodigal in verse 24 of Luke 15? He said, for this is, he didn't say my servant. He said, for this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he's found. And the Bible says they began to be merry. He didn't say, you left good riddance with you. He didn't say you left. You're going to have to crawl and earn your way back in. No, no, no. He said you left as a son. You're coming back as a son. Naomi, you left as a pleasant one and I declare you're going to be pleasant. You're not going to be bitter. You're going to be a blesser. Hallelujah. Grace does that. Grace does that. The Bible says in James 4, 6, it tells us that God giveth more grace. It says he giveth grace to what? The humble. Because Ruth and Naomi both come in certain terms and they're both at different times believing they're not worthy. There is a sense of humility there of feeling below than less. They're not worthy. 
But Boaz's grace for both of them in reality said otherwise. They said, not me, but grace said, I choose you. I won't go over an hour, but give me at least the 10 minutes or a little short thereof. When Naomi told Ruth that Boaz was near of kin and a kinsman to them, that meant more than, yeah, Boaz, he's my relative. That meant more than that. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, Joey, he's my kin. No, there's more here than just the fact that there's a relation here. That word relative or a kinsman there in the scripture meant particularly the goel, that he was the kinsman redeemer. That meant that this individual has the right to redeem Naomi's property and he has the right to marry Ruth. Well, again, we knew about Boaz. Naomi learned, knew about Boaz because that's her kin, but this is the first that Ruth is hearing about all this. She knew he was Boaz, but she didn't know the connection of kinsman redeemer. What? I imagine there for a moment she kind of looked over her shoulders and thought about a few things that happened that day and thought, oh, I, I might be getting it now. Why some of this privilege? Yeah. Ah. Huh? So Ruth told Naomi about everything Boaz had done to her. She told her that she could keep going to his field, he said, until the harvest had ended, which meant the barley harvest. And after the barley harvest came the wheat harvest. All of that lasted anywhere from six to eight weeks that she could be in the same field for about eight weeks. Barley, amen, to wheat from around from around Passover to Pentecost. She could be in, that's awesome, from Passover to, amen. She could be in that field and here's the thing. If she kept bringing in that same amount of grain every day that she brought, an ephah of grain every day, that means she could nearly, at the end of eight weeks, had gathered enough food for an entire year. For both of them. What's that mean? It means this to me. You can't tell me that the Lord of the harvest won't do it. Grace will enable you to gain a year's worth of what you lost in just a few weeks. Grace has a way of quickening the timetable and cause you to gain back a year of what you lost in just a few weeks. Did he not tell them in Joel that whenever they had been taken advantage of by the locusts that came and eat up the land, what the caterpillar and the, 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 the canker worm and all these things, he says, I'm going to restore it back to you. I'm... I'm going to restore it back to you. And so it appears, i got to hurry, I know, i got, I got seven left. It appears Naomi, <laughs> I don't know if it, you know, she was mother-in-law, right, because of her son, but Naomi, and this is just McGee theology here, Naomi has the matchmaker wheels turning. She's been in Boaz's field and she's came home with this and he could be a redeemer. <laughs> right? Because note the scripture, and I'm just pointing this out to you. Note in scripture, verse 21, Ruth mentioned, Boaz says that I, I, I need to keep fast by the young men in the field. And then look what Naomi retorts to her in the next verse. She directs her, yes, Ruth, go out and keep fast by the maidens. Ruth mentions the young men 
Naomi mentions the maidens. This is just McGee theology, okay? Naomi wants her by the female servants in the field because she don't want no male servant of the field to get interested in Naomi. She wants Boaz to maintain interest in Naomi. Neither does she want Ruth getting any interest in any of these other males out here. So you, yeah, stay over there with the gals. <laughs> stay over there with the gals. Go out with the maidens. Don't, don't, just don't pay any attention to those Just don't. <laughs> Naomi also says, and this is important. Stay with me. You'll help me close, but this is vitally important. Please listen to me right here. Ruth also tells her, and it seems kind of peculiar, really, because Boaz has already told her this. But Ruth tells her, Ruth, Naomi says, Ruth, you can see it in verse number 22. Whenever she says, meet them not in any other field, Naomi is basically telling Ruth the same thing that Boaz had told her. Stay in, stay in that field. Don't let them find you in another field. Stay in that field. Well, Boaz has already said that. Ruth, or Naomi, you're you're, you're reiterating this. It seems peculiar that you're reiterating this about staying in Boaz's field. You're like, that's the right choice, Ruth. Stay in that field. I mean, it it should already be proven by how much he's, he's made allowances for her and gave to her, but she emphasizes stay in that field. Why are you doing this, Naomi? Listen to me very clearly. I'm not done. Why are you doing this, Naomi? Because my family was in a field before that we should have stayed in. Do you remember when I told you that the country of Moab was interpreted the fields of Moab? My family was in a field that they should have stayed in before. And we didn't. And so Ruth, I don't want you to make the same mistake that my family made in the recent past. Because our God was faithful to us then. I know we were dealing with some, you know, famine and stuff in the land, but he had always been faithful. Ruth, I don't want you to make Go, do, like Boaz said, go to that field. Don't let them catch you in another field. Consider how good he's been to you so far. Because there might be some days, it may, might be some days, it's not like, you know, it was today. But don't you forget today. Hmm? <laughs> because sometimes in our minds, the worst day in the church totally canvases and overtakes then all the best days we've had in the church to the place that we forget them due to the day we're living in right in the moment. That was Rufin and Elimelech. Famine, out of here. But they forgot the faithfulness of God all the way up to that point in time. Don't leave the field. Ruth, don't leave the field. Don't make the same mistake that I make. Because I feel like, I feel like, Ruth, that grace, grace is choosing you. Grace is saying you're the one. 
Man, there's so much here tonight that you could still peel back onion layers on this here tonight. I'm just hit the tops of the barley grape. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray tonight, and this altar is open. God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Lord, help me, Lord, to find myself in each of these aspects, in each of these characters, Lord, of this story tonight. Help me, God, to see myself as the Ruth. Help me, God, to see myself, Lord, as the Naomi. Help me, O oh Lord Jesus, God, to portray attributes, Lord, of, of Boaz, of calling those that are on the fringe nearer and closer, Lord, at a place at the table, Lord, with treatment, God, that is not unlike God. We would treat anybody else. Help me, Lord, to find myself, Lord, at different portions of my life and times and every character of this story. God, I need you tonight. God, we're thankful, Lord, for your grace. We are, Lord, beneficiaries, Lord Jesus, of your grace. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, and it's not just a grace for us, but God, help us, Lord, to hold some of that. Lord, as we've been a receiver of it, help us, Lord, to help to be a giver, a conduit, Lord, of it to somebody else, Lord, that may be in need. God, let this sanctuary, let, Lord, this spot at 1121 Cedar Street be one of those fields of grace, God, that go be beyond what Lord the law prescribes Lord that it goes beyond Lord Jesus what even the church tradition Lord God would require but God that grace goes above and beyond and it purposefully and intentionally Lord Jesus does it I pray oh God today help us Lord to be captured God by that very mindset and captured by that very spirit of grace I pray oh Lord today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, I love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, I praise you, O oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the church say amen. amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Friday night with Brother Malone, 6 to 7, search for truth. Amen. Be a part of that. Please do so. You can. The amazing thing about search for truth, you can jump in on it at any time and really then could come back around and pick up the other ones at the end. I mean, really, you really could. Amen. So, amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Pick up your children. Those children back there are old enough. You shouldn't have to pick them up. They can come out to meet you. Amen. So God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.